Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 69. So let me just uh, preface this whole interview here. We're doing things a little bit differently than normal. I'm uh, here with Manny Cabral, and we're just driving around in his uh, his company truck. And we're gonna go take a look at, I just came from one of the projects that he Brentwood just Drive. finished. And turn left onto Drive. Now everyone knows where we're going. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so you showed me around a, a project that you guys just finished, and we're on a bit of a tour today. We're gonna see five or six places, I guess, that you've got yeah. going on. Yeah, my, my son's been running most of my stuff for me out here. Uh huh. And then just got to the point where we just got way too busy, and I, I just resigned. So what are you doing now then? Right now? Oh, I'm well. That's this is what I'm doing full time now. I'm out here helping him run everything. We just got too big for him to run it himself. Right. But, so uh, I was a sales manager on a dealership for many, many years. But I got into that uh, sort of by mistake. Um, this was my life. I'm a carpenter by trade, and I owned a company called SCI years ago. I used to do major projects, uh, school extensions. Uh, I used to have the contract for Ontario Blue Cross. I used to do all their computer rooms, all of Ontario. Hmm. Um, I had a back injury that put me out for almost two years. I was at home for over a year, couldn't walk. So it was pretty difficult for me. So I sold out my share of the business um, and just sat around for a while. Didn't know what I was wanting to do and ended up... Uh, I loved cars, and, and I knew the owner, Dean Myers, and he kept bugging me to, to come and work for him. And I kept saying, no, this is not what I want. I said, I just come over, and you know, until you get back on your feet, your back is better, and you can go back in your construction business again. And uh, I ended up staying there for a lot longer than I figured. Okay. But you know what? It wasn't, uh, construction's been in my blood. So my son had his own construction company, and uh, I talked him into wrapping that up and just uh, merging together and creating this business out here. How many sons do you have? How many kids I do got, you have? I got just the two. The older guy's out here running the construction. The younger guy's running uh, his uh, social media company, Soot Social. What's it's, it called? Uh, Soots, Suits Social. Suits Social. Suits Social. Okay. Uh, getting very successful at it, especially in Simcoe County, city of Barrie. So he's doing very, very well. He does a lot of hours, uh, but he's doing amazingly. You know, he's got his own podcast now and everything else, so it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, you're telling me about that. What's it called? What's that? It's called From Obscurity to Authority. I like the sound of that. And he's got some really interesting guests on that. It's amazing how he even finds uh, these guests. Uh, but he's been doing very well with all these uh, amazing people on there. So a great podcast to listen Turn to. Turn right onto Upper Ottawa Street. But yeah, a while back I decided, you know what, I'm going to have to get back into the fullest swing of things here. And uh, we got busy enough that, uh, so, you know, it's, it's time to leave the job and come out here and, and help doing what we're doing. Because we, this is what we specialize in is legal duplexes. So most of our clients are all investor clients. In 450 meters, Probably turn working left on onto uh, Drive. five or six of them right now. I'm going to take you to one right now that's about 50% finished. We did a little bit of updating on the main floor. Um, the basement is not a complete gut. We, it was a couple of existing rooms down there a client wanted to keep, so we sort of worked around it. Uh, but yeah, we'll get a better idea of uh, what we're doing when we get there. It's, uh, 
new kitchen, new bathroom. There was an existing bathroom, but it's being moved. Uh, meter separation. Uh, a bunch of stuff going on here. Well, it sounds great, and the thing I like about it, too, is... Well, first of all, you guys specialize in doing this for other people, but some of the places we're going to see are yours. Yes, for sure. Um, there's my son just driving by now. Oh, okay. There you go. So we were at a certain point with uh, how you got to where you are? Yeah, I've been building this up for a long time. I mean, I've been in the construction industry for years. I understand the code. I used to do this. Uh, like I said, an injury got me out of it. Uh, and I think I pulled into the wrong street here. Oh, I was going to say. They're all, they're all alike. They're all alike. Well, this is nice. This is a nice street. <laughs> they're all nice streets. They're, 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 pretty, they're pretty cool. It's, the nice thing about Hamilton is is these these single family bungalows work out fantastic. Yeah, well, the, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But Johnny's there anyway. Um, you know, they're about 900 uh, square feet, 1,000 square feet, touch over. But you get the same space in the basement. So, so there's a lot of space to work with. Yeah. Let me just uh, pull up here. Sure thing. I'm just going over to Huntington for a few minutes. I pulled into the wrong street. Well, we're here. Okay. Just goes to show you, they all look alike. So I figured what we'll do is we'll talk in between, in between the houses on the, our tour, and inside we'll maybe do some videos. Yeah, for sure. We'll do one uh, in here. I think. Uh, yeah, I know where that truck is now. My drywall guys are in there. They're starting the, uh, the drywall. So let's talk about your first investment property then. How long ago was that? My very first investment property was a long time ago. Oh, okay. A long time ago. I was probably in my, I would say my late 20s. And it was a property we bought in Aurora. And back then it was huge. We, I paid, I never forget, $339,000 for that house. And that's got to be going back over 20 years, 23, 24 years ago. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot yeah. of money. But the property was, you know what? When I started investing in property, I had a different mindset. It was it had nothing to do with uh, it had nothing to do with cash flow. I'm just gonna punch in this address here because these streets confuse the hell out of me. Still. So anyway, going back, I, I bought a property with my construction partner. I was probably in my late 20s. I was probably 27, 28 years old, and uh, it was up in Aurora. It was quite expensive. It was a corner lot. It didn't cash flow. We did have two tenants. It wasn't a legal duplex. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, anyway, that was my first investment property. It was up in Aurora. It was a corner lot. It was, it was quite a large lot. Um, to make a long story short, my partner was hugely into real estate. He was uh, probably twice my age. He knew quite a bit a lot. About it. He used to tell me it doesn't matter what you buy today, 10 years down the road, you'll wish you bought a lot more. Yeah, and, and I couldn't agree with that yeah, more right now. Even. Because you got that 10 year cycle where you can ride the ups and downs. But he didn't buy for cash flow either. I mean, back then he was buying for uh, for appreciation. Turn left onto Upper Ottawa Street. But he did very well. And, and I sort of went in partnerships with him on that one. To make a long story short, uh, that's when my I had some health issues with my back. Uh, I had to sell out my portion of the uh, the business. We were going into a recession back then in Ontario. Um, and it was kind of tough for me. So I had to make a decision. Do I walk away from the property? Do I do I continue to put money into it that I didn't have at the time? I was, I was quite young. Uh, 
and I did essentially, uh, he bought me out on that property, so I basically walked away from it. Okay, so how long were you in it for? Uh, probably two years. Probably two years. Um, so we walked away from that, he bought me out on that one. Um, and then, uh, going back to my next property adventures was uh, not that long ago, probably... I'm guessing about eight years ago, I bought quite a few properties up in a little place called Lagoon City. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, it's a little resort. Oh, I know where it is. It's a little resort place. I actually had a cottage there for years. Mm -hmm. So I had a waterfront, I had actually three waterfront condos, uh, and I bought a two-story house that I renovated, uh, and we kept for ourselves as a cottage up there. Uh, and I had those all rented out, but again, for me, it wasn't cash. I never thought of cash flow back then. I was in a different mindset. It was just this is cheap. This is great. You'll, you know, carry itself or if it costs me a couple hundred bucks a month, uh, it's not a big deal. I can write that off. Yeah, you um, know what? I do even, I still understand that mentality, but I think that obviously if you can go and buy something where, where it's going to cash flow, that makes even more sense. But just, I, it's almost like an insurance plan. You know, you're gonna you're gonna pay into it a little bit every month, possibly, but it's still gonna pay off down the road. Yeah. My problem was I wasn't looking at, at the right uh, at the right things, at economics, at growth, uh, at jobs. Uh, and Lagoon City is not a place for growth. Uh, yeah. It's basically a retirement town. So so the prices literally remained. I wouldn't say flat. But creeped up just enough that when I sold the properties, I basically got out of them, maybe made a couple of grand, but that was it. So they were not great investment properties, but it was a learning experience. So you sold all those too? I sold all those. I actually sold two of them to to the same gentleman who just wanted to keep them as investments for themselves. Uh -huh. uh, but it's not a place to really uh, to get growth in. Um, you know. And then a few years later is when I really started to do a lot of reading, a lot of investigating. Going into uh, a lot of meetups, talking to a lot of investors, reading a lot of books. Uh, so I learned uh, listening to a lot of podcasts, uh, including yours, which is probably the first one I started listening to. And I started to learn a lot. So my mindset just started to change. Right? I started to understand cash flow and and where to invest and, and to do the right things. And uh, you know, looking at the cities and growth and jobs and, and all the, all the economical things that you need to do before you sit down and say, yeah, I'm going to buy this property, uh, right? So there's the many factors to look at that I learned later on, and I probably Arrived. started to get the bigger swing of that probably going back almost three years ago, Okay. Um, and that's when I really started to learn and get out and go to meetups and everything else. So you've always had a bug of some kind, I guess, for real estate. Always, <clears throat> always. I knew that real estate was, was the road to some type of financial freedom some type of financial success down the road and it's not a get rich quick scheme but to me I guess it was a get rich slow um, and it certainly you know helped quite a bit throughout the years for sure you know then when I understand it started to understand cash flow and everything else things made sense I started to buy some of these properties based on the numbers uh, you know and if the numbers work the numbers don't lie uh, then it's still a good property I, I, I seen guys walking or not just guys uh, people walking away from deals because of 10 grand or 15 grand up on multiple offers but when you worked out the numbers the numbers still worked and then 30 days later when they're looking at another property guess what it's already gone up 10 to 20 grand anyway uh -huh. so that's what everyone was faced with back then I was I was faced with the same thing in multiple offers 
but I'm still happy with what I got and I don't regret buying anything. I mean, I bought some of them in the hype of the of the market about a year ago. But yeah, that's still- a funny thing. Depending on who you talk to, some of them have a little bit of buyer's remorse. You know, if it was, let's say it's too easy to acquire the property, then yeah. some people go, well, maybe I overpaid. Exactly, yeah. But <clears throat> I, if I could go back, I'll tell you what. I used to analyze properties, you know, two, three years ago when I was really buying uh, a lot. Um, that was when I would analyze everything and I would see, okay, I can get $13 more a month if I buy this yeah. place over here. And okay, so I have to pay a little bit more. So how does that work out and all that kind of stuff? Where I'll tell you what, if I could go back and, and, and look at myself at that same time again, I would just buy everything. And I don't care if they've overpriced it. Yeah, I agree. Because now you just look back and just you wish that you could find something even remotely similar to that kind of a deal. So, and it's never going to, and it's not going to be like that again. Like people get anchored in an idea of the way that they think that a market should be and the prices that they think that they should be paying. And they are unable to move forward and just think about the future because. Well, unfortunately that's not reality. I mean, look at where we are today. Would we ever think, I mean, these properties where it would be valued at what they are. I mean, I mean, a couple of years no. ago, if you had to tell people, you know, you got to pay four hundred for these bungalows and spend a hundred in them to, to get them duplex, they think you're nuts. They would, right? But that's the reality today, and and mm-hmm. and it's not going to get any better. Where are we going to be five years down the road? I don't know. Ten years down the road, it's getting to the point where, well, it's already at that point where a lot of first time buyers can't buy their first time single family home. That's why the condo market is hot. Um, so it's getting more and more difficult. I mean, what's middle class anymore? But also, I mean, these duplexes are being. Um bought up by homeowners so they can supplement the cost of... And and I've actually been talking to a couple of first-time buyers who can't afford a single-family home, so they're going in a condo, and I'm trying to tell them, you can't afford a single-family home if you get into a duplex idea, Mm -hmm. right? Because now with your rental income, you got that much buying power with the bank. So there's no reason that being creative and using leverage in a duplex uh, that you can't buy a single-family home. It's, It's still attainable. So when we come back in, we'll talk about three years ago when you really started to buy um, for cash flow and for uh, long-term investments. Sure, sounds good. That'll definitely work out better. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, so <clears throat> we were going to talk about now your first deal, I guess, once you got back into it about three years ago. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't buy three years ago, but I was back in three years in the full swing of learning um, all the ropes uh, to real estate investing. Going out to, to all these meetups, I read a ton of books, most of Don Campbell's books. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think was one of the first books I read. So, which, what was uh, it that got you? Like, what triggered it? Yeah, I don't know what triggered it, but I always loved real estate, and I knew I wanted to get into it, and I knew I wasn't looking at it right from day one. And then what happened was I started listening to podcasts and all these great things about what people are doing and leaving their corporate worlds. And I mean, I was stuck in a corporate world where I wanted to, I wanted to live my life on, on my terms, and I couldn't do that. I was working every Saturday. I was working late nights. So I didn't have much time off. It was very difficult to do that. And I needed to find another avenue to have more freedom for myself and for my family. And I, I, I truly believe that real estate was the way to go by it. So I started to listen again to all these podcasts because I sat back and said, okay, well, I did something wrong in my first ventures of real estate, so what did I do wrong? Um, so I started to listen to podcasts. I started to uh, 
Google a lot of things. I ended up being a member of Rockstar Realty. And I just started talking to a lot of people and started hanging out with with people that really helped to turn, turn me around in, in the way I looked at real estate. So I guess about a year and a half ago was where I started. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. uh, to actually purchase more properties. I mean, like I said, I did have those other properties beforehand, but I bought them for, you know, not the right mindset. Right. So I got rid, rid of them all. Okay, uh, so and when you were thinking about it, was that the thing that that you said you had done wrong was get rid of them or was there other things no no I didn't I don't think I did wrong by getting rid of them because those those properties wouldn't cash flow and they were in in areas that were not going to appreciate to the point that I really needed for the amount of investment I had in them Um, but it was it was talking to to other people that were really doing real estate uh, investing that really opened my eyes I mean then reading a lot of these podcasts listening to the podcasts reading the books it really started to change my mind. I started to think, oh yeah, cash flow. I started to think, oh yeah, the numbers. Uh, and then I started to look at the return on investment when you looked at an average appreciation uh, of, you know, I was using 5%, mortgage pay down, um, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. I mean, when I started to put the numbers together, I said, wow, this is, this is crazy, especially if you're refinancing and you're leveraging uh, a, a smaller amount of money on, on, a, on a much larger project initially. So the return on investment was was huge so I started really to really learn about that uh, and that's when I started to listen to a lot of podcasts and I reached out to a lot of these people on the podcast that I really admired um, and did whatever I could to hook up with them have coffee with them have lunch with them get as much knowledge as I, I possibly could from them uh, I mean I had a ton of knowledge in the construction industry because that was my life I already knew that uh, but it was just getting more knowledge on, on the actual real estate investing side of things so that helped me a lot by meeting with a lot of these people and talking to them and finding out what they did um, and me not making the same mistakes in the past following someone who's already been successful at it. Uh, that's what really got me going. And, and then I was all gung-ho to go and start buying properties. Okay, so how many do you have now? I've got a total now of one, two, three, four, uh, two condos, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right You've now. got eight properties. Eight, eight in total. Oh, that's amazing. This is including the one that we're going to see right now that I just closed on. Uh-huh. Uh, which we're going to legalize and uh, try to find a money JV partner on this one. So this one will be a turnkey project. And here we are pulling into it right now. So after the learning and all the education and meeting all the right people, you uh, you went out and took some action. So what did you buy? Took out, went out, took some action. Um, I bought a property up in, in Barrie. I did buy triplex up there. That was your first place once yeah. you started investing for started long-term back, hold. Long-term hold, yeah. And I didn't do a lot of work on that. I didn't have to. I mean, it's, it's pretty decent. And we already had tenants in there. We had one issue with one of the tenants as soon as we took over, but we were pretty lucky and able to get her out without losing any uh, rental income and got somebody else in there. So that was the first place. And then I started to focus on Hamilton. That was about uh, what? Two years? Uh, yeah, two just years ago? close to two years ago now, yeah. Okay. Uh, started to focus out here and bought a couple of uh, houses up here in Hamilton Mountain and uh, started renovations on those uh, as soon as they closed with, uh, with my company. As a contractor, were you already legalizing second units in 
in yeah, Hamilton? Yeah, my, my son was out here looking after most of that for me for clients. Okay. Uh, I was still in my corporate world and I was trying to maximize, uh, leverage, I guess, my job to, to buy multiple properties. So I didn't leave earlier because of that, um, but it just got to the point where we were so busy doing client work out here, and most of my work is all referral uh, from investors that I deal out, you know, out here with. Uh, they've gotten to know me. They know my workmanship. Uh, they know that I do the right job. I'm, I'm, I'm there to help them through it. If there's cost savings, I'm there to help them. And I'm always around at any time. If someone's got an issue, someone's got a problem, someone's got an emergency, uh, I'm always there to help them. Uh, I mean, I, I get a lot of people talking about issues they have with contractors. And it, it's too bad that some of those bad contractors make it look, you know, like everyone else is bad. Well, it's the same with realtors. It's, yeah, same with realtors. <laughs> and, and it's just not not the truth, right? I mean, it's, there's, there's a few of them out there that shouldn't be in business, that shouldn't be out there. And I agree 100% with that. It's, it, it's horrible. It drives me crazy. Um, you know, and all I, all I can tell people is, you know what? When you're when you're looking for a contractor, like do your due diligence, like do your homework. Um, I mean, it's not enough that uh, they're giving you a great price because this is where most of these problems arise from. Is is the big difference in price between a reputable contractor and the guy who you think is giving you a great deal? Uh, I mean, and the best way to do it is to make sure you talk to people that they have worked for in the past. I mean, what better referral are you going to get? I mean, go visit some of these properties, talk to the clients, talk to the owners. How was your experience? Uh, I mean, you got to do that if you're going to hire a contractor. There's no doubt. So your your son has a construction company, which you're now involved in. And the, what's that? What's that called? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's my construction company. It's our family construction company. And he was doing stuff on his own. Uh, and I sort of talked him into coming in and working full-time uh, out here in Hamilton uh, with, with our company. It's it's Primo Reno. Uh, .ca is the website. And we also got Primo Investment Properties as well. One website will link to the other, but the renovation company is Primo Reno. So you were already um, adding legal second suites in Hamilton before you bought your first one, just doing work purely for clients? Yes, yes. Okay. We, yeah, and we started on smaller projects and started to move our way up. Uh, it just got to the point where we got too busy, where I eventually had to leave the corporate job. Uh, I did all the leverage I, I needed to do, and then once that was done, it was it was time to go. It was just, it was just getting overwhelming with the with the job quotes and, 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 you know, dealing with clients and all these jobs that we're doing out here. And I'm probably turning down more work than I'm actually taking. And then so, you have to do that. So now you have a great relationship with the city and yeah. they all know who you are and you've done a whole bunch of these conversions now too. Yeah, I've done a ton. I've gotten to know a lot of the inspectors, uh, you know, and they get to know your work. They get to respect your work and, and it makes, it, it's, it's, it makes a huge difference in a relationship when you have a little bit of relationship uh, with the inspectors that are on site. So we've been doing a cool thing where you're showing me all of these projects that you've got going on right now, uh, all at once, five places, and a bunch of them are yours personally. And so we're just sitting in the driveway at the, the second one of your own personal properties. So I'm pretty excited to go in and have a look and see what's going on here too. Yeah, we got tenants upstairs, so we can't get in up there today, but downstairs I'm about 98% uh, finished. We're going to start showing this property. It's a, it is a small two-bedroom. Uh, there's only so much I could do with this space because it is a story and a half. It's not a bungalow. Mm -hmm. But uh, we'll have a walk in there and have a look. I had some temporary lighting on here before. Oh, this looks great. 
So I thought I'd bring the recorder in with me. And uh, although you can't see it, we'll walk around and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, this looks good. Yes. Yeah, There's lots of room. There's still lots of bedroom, but it's 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 the seating right. I mean, it's a story and a half, so we're not getting that space of, of an actual bungalow. But we try to maximize it the best we could. Again, I swapped out the layouts because it didn't work. Uh, I mean, the appliances uh, are not new, but they're in good shape. So we decided to, to reuse them. Uh, laminate top, we didn't do a quartz or anything down here, but we got the nice backsplash going and, and all new kitchen. The same flooring again throughout and a seven mil vinyl. This one was very, very tight. Uh, we have to change, Inspector made us change the uh, bathroom layout just because of the ceiling height and bulkhead here. Okay. Right. Just get a little light in here. But uh, it's the best we could do, but it's, it's not bad. You know what? It's still very usable and it's nice, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. It's nice. So we're looking at, it's actually quite a small bathroom um, with the sink at the end of the tub, which is very interesting right by the door. And it's just one of those really shallow space saving uh, sinks and vanities. And then the, I mean, there's really, there's really, it's really, I think, very functional, but there's pretty much only room to basically walk in and close the door. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah. yeah if you're using the sink. Under the stairs, we utilize that for, uh, for the closet. Mm -hmm. Washer dryer up in here. And we do have lighting for the washer dryer as well. Right, this is one of the bedrooms. Not huge, but it's, it's functional. Try to make as much space as possible. That's our furnace room. We opted to go with, uh, with the sprinkler system in here. Okay, you got a sprinkler system in the furnace room, yeah. right? I like that. That just makes life a lot easier. That's it's usually what I opt for in those in these utility rooms. Relatively inexpensive. Yeah, we have a little nook in the wall here that we try to maximize some space and put some shelving in there for Yeah, this bedroom's a really good size. You know what, Manny? This is very similar to if you watch uh, Real Deal Renos. I don't know if you saw that. I've seen them, yeah. Okay. Sure. Well, I'm in one of them, and one of them we had to recess a beam. Yeah. And very similar property. And I had it laid out as a two-bedroom when we first started. Right. And then uh, I wasn't going to have as much room as you do in here just because the layout was different. So I, I went and turned mine into a one-bedroom. Okay. So I think you've done really well with the space that you had down here. I don't think the rooms are too small at all. They're actually quite a good size. Yeah, we did the best with the layout. I'd say we had to make some changes from the original drawings just to make everything work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and what do you think you'll rent the place for? What do you have it? 1,200 plus, plus utilities. 1,200 plus, plus utilities. utilities. And there's already eight appointments booked for today. Great. Yeah, and, and I like how you made use of uh, all the different storage areas. Like anywhere that you could possibly get some storage in, you've got it. Oh yeah, it's really important for sure. Yeah, you got to maximize, especially when you have limited space. You got to you got to work with every little corner you can. Mm-hmm. And again, same color scheme, same floors, all the way through from one to the other. So even when you're doing well, I mean, obviously some of your clients are going to have their own ideas of what they want, but course, in general, of course, in general, in general yeah. you're using the same stuff, yeah. so you know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. You got the same countertop, same paint. Same trim, same flooring throughout and all the places that we've seen today for the most part. 
and uh, that will really help you speed up well, absolutely. the process. I mean, mind you, I mean, the clients still want to change colors or flooring, of course, we're going to do that, right? Right. I mean, I give them an option or take them down to one of these properties and say, here's what it looks like, here's what the colors look like, here's what the floors look like. For the most part, most of them love it, so yeah, just go ahead. Well, okay, well, uh, thanks for showing me this one. You're welcome, Rob. My pleasure. All about content, right? I mean, if you don't put out content out there, people want to get to know you. They want to know who they're dealing with. They want to see you on a personal level. So when you get out to meet them or you're selling something, it's like they feel they know you, right? Mm -hmm. And I've gotten, um, I've gotten work. Actually, there's one at 38 Clarendon. We just finished. It's very small. We just did a window, did all the electrical. Um, just a few minor things. But that one was right off my Facebook. Mm -hmm. You know, where one of the clients was looking at all the work that I'm doing. And, and now we've done that. He's really happy. He's excited. He actually texted me yesterday with Picky. He he's putting a, a bid on a house. So he wants me to go look at it tomorrow and wants me to do the work on that one. But that one's going to be a big project. But that's where most of my work comes from. It's just, it's word of mouth and people talking to other clients who have used me. Um, there's no better form of advertising than that. I mean, if you do a great job, you treat your clients with respect, um, you're going to have a lot of work. It's, it's just going to come to you. And it's not just about, it's not all about money. It's, it's about giving too. I mean, I'm, I'm there for for people who need advice, who need help. I've gone to see clients who just need some advice on something that they're doing or something that they're buying or something that happened. And I don't charge for that. I go out there, I look at it, um, I give them whatever value I can because you know what? I, I think in life, the more you give, the more you're going to get back. Mm -hmm. So it's not all about getting. You got to give. Uh, and I love doing that. If someone texts me or emails me or calls me, I'm always there, even if it's just to answer questions or to help them through any situation. I'm more than happy to do that at any time. So speaking of that then, how can people get in touch with you? Well, they can always reach out to me on uh, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn. Uh, you can get on my website at primoinvestmentproperties.ca or primoreno.ca and uh, just send me a quick email there and I'll be uh, glad to respond to you. Okay. Um, what do you think is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned doing your own projects as opposed to working for somebody else? Doing my own projects is definitely a lot easier in senses that you're controlling everything yourself. Um, you don't have to worry about coming back and discussing timelines or situations that happened. Um, there's a lot more communication, of course, with uh, working with clients and there is working for yourself. So, I mean, it's basically the same differences. I mean, I don't do anything different for a client than I do for myself. Mm -hmm. If I'm working on a client's project, I take care of that property and look after that project as if it were my own. Um, and that's the way I got to look at it every project. So what do you think then are some, do you have a roadblock that you've run into that you had to overcome? Honestly, uh, maybe I'm lucky. I have not had many roadblocks at all in what I'm doing. Um, maybe the odd delay where an inspector doesn't show up or he's off for a couple of days or, or a sub-trade doesn't come in when he's supposed to and you're delayed for a few days here and there. There's been no big roadblocks as far as, as that. There's also been no big roadblocks as far as uh, um, as a lot of unforeseen extras on, on the jobs. I mean, a lot of times we're finishing these projects on budget. And if anything happens, it's typically very minor. So I haven't had any projects uh, that have really gone crazy for extras or unforeseen or anything like that. So we've been pretty lucky.
No, nothing like that. You open up no. the walls and find leaks or have to do any kind of foundation work outside or anything very, like very that? Very little. We found some minor cracks we were taking care of uh, pretty efficiently and cost-effectively. Um, other than that, no. We've caught most of these things going through the property on an inspection. And a lot of times I get clients calling me saying, listen, I'm, I'm putting a bit on a house. Uh, would you mind coming out and having a look with me and give me some advice and and some budgets and maybe you can see something that we didn't and uh, I'm more than happy to do that. So what do you think then is your biggest success? I think one of my biggest successes is is dealing with clients. I think I deal with them very well. Uh, my communication skills I think are pretty good. Uh, I don't let people hang or waiting for answers. I'm, I'm always available via text, via email, via phone. I always respond if I don't respond right away, it's because I, I really can't, but I always get back to them within the hour or so. But uh, I've often been accused of communicating too much. Uh, I'd rather do that than be the opposite way. I like to let my clients know what's going on in every step of the way and giving them progress reports. Uh, and again, if they got any issues, I'm always there uh, to come out and, and go through it with them and meet up with them with, uh, just to make them feel comfortable with what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that's one of my biggest skills is, is communication. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. That might be the secret to your success. But what about as an investor then? And in, in like, is there a specific property that all of a sudden you realized was maybe better than you expected it to be? The numbers worked out better or the rents were higher or, you know, something like that. Is there any successes in your investing? Yeah, well, I've typically stuck to the same type of properties. I think I'm getting a little bit more cash flow. I was a little surprised with the one of my properties that I did get more money for it than I expected. Okay. And it was actually one that uh, I was in a multiple offer situation. And at the time, like, holy crap, I overspent 30 grand. But you know what? At the end of the day, it still cash flows amazingly. Uh, it got rented out very quickly, and the numbers are fantastic. So so yeah. tell me about that one a little bit. Well, th that one, I was in a bidding war. I think it was started at 390 and, and we ended up paying 440 for it. Um, and I put in about 80 grand into that property, so I'm into 520 approximately in that property. But I'm still getting $3,100 a month uh, in rent. And when I look at all the numbers, it's it's still cash flowing about 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go wrong in it. I mean, I no. thought maybe at the time I did, I overpaid, but it's going back to like what what is overpaying? I mean, it's all about the numbers. If the numbers work, the numbers don't lie. Well, you know what? There's, there's a big difference to in um, the strategy, right? So some people might just want to buy that same place for, what did you say you were into it for? Five? 520. 520. So someone might, they probably wouldn't find that same product for 520. Well, they're but let's, not. Yeah, they're probably not. But let's say they did. So the big difference between what you did and someone just coming in and buying it as a turnkey investment is you were able to pull that money back out, put it back into your pocket. So your initial investment is much smaller Correct. than it would be for someone that was just buying it turnkey. That's right. And I just went through refinancing on that one about three months ago. So yeah, my my return on investment based on what I have in the property is is, is huge. It's probably um, off the top of my head, it's it's 22, 23% return on the money. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you have a tip for somebody who's just a new investor? What would be your top tip for them? Educate yourself. Um, don't run out and try to buy something. Uh, meet up with investors that are already doing it. Listen to podcasts. I think one of my biggest tips is reach out to some of these people on the podcast. Some of them will give you the time. They love doing it. 
I know I did that, and by reaching out to some of these successful people that are already doing what I wanted to do, it made such a huge difference on how I got started. So I think one of my greatest tips is, is start listening to the podcast and start reaching out to some of these people and see what you can get from them. So how do you know when you're ready to buy then? Because there's some people that get stuck in an education uh, black hole. Yeah, where I've, they don't feel like they've ever gotten enough education to go out uh, and actually pull the trigger. I, I've, I've run into some of those people who are, I call them the most educated non-real estate investors. <laughs> They're at every seminar and they pay thousands of dollars and they just can't make that commitment. I mean, all I can say is just do it. Don't Until you do it, you're never going to get into it. And you know what? There's, there's no bad deal. Maybe you'll get something that's not going to be quite as great as you thought it would be. But you know what? Until you start, you're never going to get into it. You have to start. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah, so we just finished some lunch here, but you're on your way, like you said earlier, to interview some potential tenants for one of the places that we saw today, which yeah. is really nice, by the way. Uh, I'm sure you'll have no problem renting it out. Uh, any last words, any advice, anything to leave us with today? Well, if you're thinking of real estate investing, uh, stop thinking about it. Um, get into it. I think you got to go feet first. It's not always going to be uh, rosy, maybe to start off with. Uh, but I can't think of a better way to, to get ahead in life, have financial freedom. And it's not about getting rich quick. It's all about getting rich slow. Uh, it's how you leverage your money. Uh, so it's a great way of doing it. I mean, uh, the power of leverage is, is amazing, uh, especially uh, when applied to, to real estate. Manny, I really appreciate you taking me out to showing me these places today and sharing all of your advice that you have with us. So thank you. You're very welcome. It was absolutely my pleasure. I'm ready to do it anytime. Awesome. Okay. Have a good day. You too.